Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Comfort Free Conversations, and we're here to undo everything you think you know. What's up? Well, not too much. I'm looking at a computer screen and apparently being charged with podcasting podcasting yeah <laughs> are being charged with podcasting you are now yeah. in bondage uh, sorry so, i really like to work off questions i don't i don't know um if you've ever gone ahead and thought about like investing in everything just because I'm trying to figure out how um how what's the best way to be able to provide for all for like your people. You know what I'm saying? Just like I think about angel investing a lot and how to get into angel investing just so that you're able to like help black businesses in more than just um buying like one of their products you know like giving them money directly so that they're able to build on top of already doing you know and so that's just one of the kind of things that comes into my mind all the time but I have no clue how to get there you know yeah you know uh, my friend we had a friend um David um who he 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 was a what was he an actuarial scientist so he studied all of the statistics and stuff like that and he was saying he still doesn't know much about it either but we were having a whole long conversation about why the black community is in the economic disparity that they're in so i think it's an interesting question um i definitely can't claim to be an expert on it myself um and i'm looking to get into more stuff like that too but like what so like what were you got what was the the direction of you guys' conversation like first off i've never heard of angel investing so you gotta have to um, okay so i think i first started talking to her <laughs> yeah, about <don't. laughs> um, just like business fraternities and stuff in general uh-huh Hi. okay yeah. <laughs> <laughs> thank you i have a, i have a meeting and then i'll be back and i'm gonna come upstairs thank you you're the best oh <laughs> Oh, uh, okay, I was talking to her about um, just why I had decided to go ahead and get into a business fraternity whenever I came to U of I, right? Uh-huh. And um, I told her that I met this one guy named Kevin Payton, and the dude was like this really tall, biggest smile you'd ever seen, whitest smile you had ever seen, blonde-haired, blue-eyed, white guy, right? And he... <laughs> all the other people were like asking me questions about like what I was doing and and, like what I what I could bring to their fraternity you know but he just started having a regular conversation with me and um it it made me put all my eggs in his basket and be like all of the like if I'm gonna pledge any business fraternity ever I suppose it'll have to be this you know right it was a Delta Sigma Pi. And so, but the thing is that when I got in there, my mom likes to tell me that I like to create and move and do things too fast. And I saw <laughs> that I was a black kid 
who got a bid? You know, I was like, the only one. And so (laughs) I, I, the thing is that whenever you're going through this pledging process, right, it's like you're getting absolutely pampered, though, you know, for at least this business fraternity, because it's so hard to get in, they like accept somewhat like lower than 10% of the people that go ahead and like go ahead and rush. Right. And so once you get in, they start like taking you to fucking dinner dates, you know, and they're paying for your food. And so I'm getting like four free meals a night. I mean, four free meals a week, you know, I'm having a great time and I'm getting like all the attention from all of these businesses that freshmen aren't supposed to get because they're past brothers. Right. And, um, I go ahead and I decide to mess this up by letting them know what I was really about. And it wasn't that like I would go ahead and I would ask, I would like unpromptedly go ahead and let them know that I was uncomfortable being the only person there, but they would ask me, Hey, what, what do you do? And I told them that I was a public speaker. And so like some would just be like, I know you're a public speaker. I know you won nationals the last year. What did you talk about? And I'd have mm-hmm. to tell them the adult, <laughs> you know, uh-huh. and then they'd have to ask a follow-up and they'd ask me like, what is that? And I'd say, Hey, I have this one situation that I like to use all the time. And so you got one kid named like, Jacob and you got one na- kid named Demarius and like Jacob and Demarius are five-year-old kids. So they get in a fight. What will happen with Jacob most of the time is like, you might go ahead and call Jacob's parents. You might sit him in timeout. He might miss a recess. That might be serious for Jacob. But for a guy, Demarius, <laughs> Demarius legit might get sent home as a five-year-old friggin' in mm. like a kindergarten fight. Right. And, um, is him at a very young age is that simply you're not able to take the risks that um, white children are able to take, you know? And Mm -hmm. I reckon white children are able to go ahead and not only learn to take risks, but they're able to learn how to mitigate the risk. They're able to learn, like, how to take smart risks. And that's how you build any type of wealth for yourself, you know? Like, be wealthy working a job unless that job is just playing basketball for the NBA, you know, like Mm -hmm. that's one of the jobs that'll solely off doing it. You make millions, right? Mm -hmm. But most of the time you have to take the money that you've earned and you have to take a chance with it, you know? Right. You have to take that money money while you sleep because what Jacob's over here learning, you know, is that you're like, that you're able to stand up for yourself. You know what I'm saying? Jacob's learned that sometimes there's a risk for standing up for yourself, but you're able to take it. Mm-hmm. While Demand learned that. Never even take if that you risk. Are, never. And <laughs> so, like, you, you could be smarter than Jacob. You can have a better job than Jacob. You can, like, really be a better human being than Jacob. But Jacob might be making money while he sleeps. Mm-hmm. And you're only making money eight hours a day, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's That's what 
That's a really powerful implication. I was I was a little lost in a certain way, but then I was like, okay, I see where he's going with this, and it makes sense. That is that's really deep that you went all the way back to something like childhood to find the implications on on business. That's that's profound, and I think you're I think you're absolutely right. And I think the African American community is often forced to not take risk but survive. Like we're we have to go we can't do that because we have to have the most excellent image that we can possibly portray since we're already you know marginalized and uh, stereotyped the way that we are so that makes a lot of sense right and but like it would get quiet afterwards you know what i'm saying and they're <laughs> like huh? <laughs> for real and so and then like- i come in and, say, and you know what's unfortunate is I don't think a black, enough black people even took the risk to join this fraternity because they look at it and they look at the, <laughs> what we look like and they don't want to like take the chance of getting rejected. I know I don't like to get rejected, but I don't think I'll be rejected. You know what I'm saying? And that's uh-huh. just what most of us think because we have been rejected as a group, you know, uh-huh. for so you individually have to come o- overcome that and already believe that you belong, no matter like what the people say. You you know, mm-hmm. you just simply believe that you have the ability to make wealth for yourself and make wealth for your family and belong in any room that you belong in, but you have to do that for yourself. Mm. And <laughs> But like, um, I I got so loud, I think the first time my first semester being in that I almost did not make it through the pledging process. (laughs) Because (laughs) (laughs) I think that they went ahead and um, I was like the president's choice to get in, right? He like, what is my guy? You know, I love this man till the day I die. And he had to pull me over to the side one day in Biff and he had to take me into a room and he was like, hey, Kaylin, we had our midterm evaluations, okay? Midterm through the um, pledging process, right? And he was like, right. and I just wanted you to know that the reason I think that you belong in this fraternity is because I believe that you represent the change that we need to have in this fraternity. Like you're, you're a future leader of this frat. And this is what I want to do. And you know that this is what I want to do. However, can you shut the fuck up, you know? Because, like, <laughs> you into this frat. For you to make any change, if the people are uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And that's whenever, um, I think, Sade and I started talking about the fact that while my mom was, like, absolutely scared, you know? Uh-huh. Like, Kayla, don't go in there making all that noise, you know, and then I do. And then I almost have to pay the price for it. But the thing is that he goes ahead and he teaches me that we're going to have to do this a different way because white people don't like to see their faces being replaced. You know, they don't like to be simply told, hey, there's too much. There's too much of this color in here. We can't have it. But like the thing is that that feels like you're being told that you can't be in there whenever like that's the only thing that you have, you know, and the way to get into fraternity is to have people like vouch for you. The way to take advantage of these opportunities that the like fraternity will give you undoubtedly is to have people vouch for you. And um, 
he let me know that for real. He was like, so the thing that we have to do is you have to pick your people. You know what I'm saying? And then if you back somebody, I'll back them. You know what I'm saying? Like we Mm -hmm. will simply, this is the way it has to be, but you have to be in this fraternity to have the option to back someone, you know? Mm -hmm. And so the absolute master, I think we put three black people in there and they were all my friends and they were all like people who absolutely deserved all of the opportunities that I'd had, but were too scared to pledge that first time. Wow. Right. Wow. Awesome. So like you're, so you're in this fraternity now and you're like making dents into the change, which this one person like saw a vision in you and you've been recruiting people since then to kind of, one assist the frat because they have the they have the credentials to make the frat go further than it has one but two to also kind of change the minds of people who have these subliminal stereotypes and stuff of that nature right because as soon as you see that like you're you're just there you know like all of your guys are there anybody who's doing well and like <laughs> represents what you want to do Mm-hmm. You, you're now able to go ahead and say that you're going to do it. You know, mm-hmm. you're going to, and you're saying that, like, yeah, that person did it, and that person's absolutely in the game. And now I have somebody who will be there for me whenever I get in there. Like, I have somebody that I can learn from. Because mm-hmm. people go into things and they don't see anyone that they can learn from. They don't see, they see all of, like the benefits of being there, but they don't mm-hmm. see a home. You know? Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. So you you mentioned something earlier, and I still don't understand. So like, what is what is angel investing? Like, is that, was well, that an example of angel investing? That money, right? Like, you simply just see a business that you want to invest in, and you go ahead and you give them money in exchange for what, like, that's what these big, hedge fund firms and everything like that's basically what they get to do as a corporation. Angel investing is you as a person, right? Okay. And so like, so give me an example of an angel investment, like, like a concrete, not like a, you know, like like, I'm, my name is Johnny and I have this money and I'm going to. Yes. Like, um, say, there's this restaurant in my hometown, Papa Vito's, right? And dude might need some, like, way more money for marketing or something like that, right? Just, like, mm-hmm. you need some some money to do something, right? However, mm-hmm. the money for businesses isn't bringing it as fast as you want. So I go ahead and I just have the money in cash, and I say, I'll give you this money in exchange for, like, this percent of the business. So, like, this percent of the income off of... um whatever you make with the advertisement that you do go ahead and buy from me. You know what I'm saying? Or whatever Uh that deal that you decide to make is, but like, it's your money that you are. So like, huh? It's like, like like, right. It's like shark tank, but only you see all of the things out there happening and you choose the one that you like, you know? Okay. It's not people just coming up. Like, hey, I have this idea. Like, right, right. Kind of 
profile of a bunch of things and you get to see what they're doing and like all right where you know why is it is there a reason it's called angel investing <laughs> because most of the time um like it's done by one person instead of a corporation and it's uh, like an angel investment you know like oh i needed this money out of nowhere but and then this one person came and gave me some money you know so you're like my okay that makes sense that's cute okay (laughs) uh you mentioned like some pizza place you said mr pito's uh something like that because i I was in st louis once it was it was called like pie or something like it it was actually the pie symbol it was pretty good you said is that have you had that you know what i'm talking about no downtown are you talking about Papa Dell's? No, no, not in Champaign. In St. Louis. You're lying. Where? No, it's called Pi. It's literally called Pi, and it has the Pi symbol, like 3.141, whatever. Well, I'm mad. <laughs> I didn't. <laughs> I was like, what are you talking about? Pi. So. But interestingly enough, like going back to your story about like um, Johnny and Demarius, right, and how Demarius learned that even from a young age to take a risk, right, and that because he learned that this risk could be a good thing, and and Johnny learned that this risk, the consequence for Johnny was that it was bad. I think that's that makes me think of, um, you know, there was this I forgot what his name. It's like Doctor. I don't know. I, I'm not even going to try to say it. But he was talking about how if we want to change the power of the black men there's three things that we need that we don't have he was saying the power of the vote he was saying he was saying the uh he was saying econ and an economy and he was saying we need uh education and so those are the th- three things that i think we get the attacked in the most and i think you just gave an excellent example of education like from even the youngest age that we're conditioned that risks are a bad thing. And, you know, as I'm sitting here thinking about this, it's kind of crazy because uh, that's that's the, what the whole American dream kind of like symbolizes. If you take a risk, you know, people taking a risk to immigrate to America or people taking a risk in a in, in a business thing and it may fail. Um, or like I remember my friend who's a business major, he was telling me like the best time to do business is now because you have all of this time to take out huge loans and try to start up all of these small companies. And if any of them succeed, you know, you do well. But if they don't succeed, right, well, you can just file for bankruptcy and, you know, and so you're not in debt, whereas you can't do that like later in life. So like this whole idea of risk seems to be like um, necessary, necessary to to kind of make any type of real headway. Like even if you think about stocks, like the more the more money there is to gamble in a short amount of time, the much higher risk is associated with it. So I don't know. Exactly. And um I had gone ahead, what was it? As soon as I'd heard about Jacob Blake, I had um went and I'd called up the NAACP president for Illinois and I was just mm-hmm. like livid i was i was asking her like hey what do you guys got planned because i swear like i i will do what you need me to do right now you know i was it was fast and she's she said like i have nothing that i'm doing like 
for your champagne area, right? Like I have a lot of things to talk to a lot of lawmakers about, but I have nothing that I'm planning in your champagne area. And you know what? Right now, I can see that there just is not um, an NAACP, a black presence on campus. Okay. So guess what? You're going to have to do it, right? <laughs> and, she, <laughs> and she was like, how about this? You said you wanted to help, right, Kaylin? <laughs> Go ahead and you start talking to Minnie Pearson and the NAACP in Champaign, and we're going to go ahead and we're going to reinstate the NAACP, which is the goal that I have for like whenever our campus gets back, right? And that's like a gigantic risk, you know what I'm saying? Just to be able, just to put that much time into reinstating something while also trying to feed yourself or do college learn all that at once you know what i'm saying because there's just so much work that has to be done into setting something up like that and she goes and um what did she do she had given me all of the things that I needed because I had actually gotten kicked out of the house from my parents. Right. And I had to start paying for school, paying for all of those things by myself. And what she did was she decided to pay for my school and give me a mentorship uh, so that I would be able to do things like that. And I just think that like starting an organ, like, now I have to start an organization like that, you know, because if people in these organizations are able to provide for somebody like me like that, that's mm-hmm. something that I want to also create so that I'm able to for anyone else. If they're like a person that we know that we can believe in that's having a tough time, you, you that's that's what we as black people kind of need to be is what I think. And it's a huge risk in order to do that, but like, whenever it's but every possible, doing it. You you remember like right. the uh, the, you remember the wheels that everyone had going around, where like if you all put in a hundred dollars, like they were talking <laughs> about it was like uh, mimicking the susu and all of that. Right. You remember that the whole premise yeah. of that that they were trying to sell it to was that every other community of people did that, like they were trying to say like. Like the, the the Chinese, like when they come over here, they will like have this essentially like bank within themselves of passing <laughs> around money where any one of them would like help. Like they would this this is your turn to take the ten thousand dollars. And then now you get to buy this, this real estate so that you can start your small business. And, you know, if we look, we see a lot of other races and ethnicities uh, having successful small businesses and not just one, but a whole community of small business in and of themselves because they took that risk that you're talking about. So I think you're absolutely right. It's a lot to gain there. We see a lot of other, and, and because of the risk that they're taking, which is pillar two of what they were saying, you create an economy. You create an economy of black people where we're not the ones money is flowing out of our pockets, but money is actually flowing into our pockets. You just reminded me of that Dave Chappelle um the the Chappelle show, whenever they were talking about what would happen, went ahead and gave black people their actual reparations, and they were talking about how simply fix the world's economy within a few short hours, you know. 
Uh-huh. And uh, it was actually Dave Chappelle poking fun at how, like, this is the one thing that we don't have because it was taken away from us. Yeah. You know, yeah. I I admire Dave Chappelle so much for the things that he says especially the last one that he did, which was the Unforgiven special. I don't know if you watched that yet. I have not. Is that the one where he had to end up stepping down from the Dave Chappelle show and they're going to remove it off Netflix? Dude, okay. The thing that he did, right, Okay, is um, <laughs> I've explained this to my girlfriend a couple of times, right, because she doesn't understand what I'm saying whenever um, I try and, like, let her know what my – goals for financial freedom are you know what i'm saying and the thing is that dave Chappelle has been a dude who has had to tell jokes for his life since he was like 14 16 you know what i'm saying even though he grew up with father going to brown you know and all Mm. of that good stuff my boy told jokes to live since he was like 16 and Mm -hmm. He, he told this story about how whenever he came back after a tour, he had $60 to entertain a girl for the entire weekend or something. So he went to the fucking um, place where they gamble cards, you know, like pick a red card out of the two black ones or whatever. And Dave Chappelle mm-hmm. thought that he figured out because he thought he saw a bend in the red card, right? And so then mm-hmm. he chooses it back. And so he stays to see who's stolen his money because he now he has zero money to entertain this girl for the entire weekend, right? Yeah, and he sees that all the dudes together are working together in order to like scam all the people. But once he calls (laughs) that, and and like he sees another person come to put down their money, he's like, "No, don't do it. It's an absolute like trick. They're gonna take your money." But the dude goes and he. Almost like he stands up from the table and he picks Dave Chappelle up and he's about to be on this dude. Right. But then he sees that Dave Chappelle's only 16 years old and absolutely frightened of him. But the thing was, he goes ahead and tells Dave what you never do. What you never do is you take away from a man's ability to feed himself and his family. I, I've, right? I've seen this. Yeah. And that's like, a respect thing that Dave Chappelle learned so fast that he had to take him for the rest of his life. And then he goes ahead and you got to imagine yourself as 24 year old Dave Chappelle, who's ridden the Chappelle, right? And is showing every single person that will look at him, what his idea is. He's showing it to HBO. He's showing it to all of these different places and they're telling him we don't what do we need you for we have chris rock what do we need mm-hmm. you for we got eddie murphy what do we need you for right and so he goes right. to the small at that time comedy central who allow him to do it and they pay him absolutely zero dollars and zero cents basically for it you know because like mm-hmm. as an owner what do you do i see my boy tyler playing madden saying hey this player's about to get really good pretty soon you know what I should do now? I should sign him for absolute jack shit right now for as long as possible so that when they get good, I don't have to pay them. And that's mm-hmm. what I had to do with Dave. You're working for great for the platform. Right. And so he goes 
and they end up making the most like selling out all of the all of the stores you know like his cd charts are ridiculous and so dave chappelle after all these years has still had made no money off of anything that he's done right wow but then he sees netflix put it up and then he sees hbo put it up his his show you know mm-hmm. and um hbo just told him they just told him what do we need you for you know Mm-hmm. And so he asked them, "What do you need me for?" You know what I'm saying? <laughs> wow. He he's, he goes ahead and he starts talking. He's like, "You guys are simply going to res- you're going to to pay me what you owe me, or I will make it impossible for you to be able to air that show." And guess what? You bought the rights to it. So guess who wasted a ton of money? You guys, you know, and he commands all that power by himself because he simply had to take that risk of not knowing, like, whether or not your show was your idea was actually the idea, you know, the mm-hmm. best. idea. And but once you take that stand, you have to take that stand. Like, if you have an opportunity to take that stand, I believe you have to take that stand. Because Dave Chappelle's mom told him that you have to be a lion to be the lamb that you really are. And so Dave Chappelle's a person who goes ahead and, like, picks fights. (laughs) He's not a person that picks fights. But in this case, he had to because they were threatening his ability to eat, his, like, create, his creative, like, um, property, his intellectual property. And you have to send that message to simply everybody that that can't happen. And it's amazing that this black man is the one that has this power, you know, like this dude. Yeah. And you don't see too many people just standing up and calling out a company that they work for, Netflix and HBO, and telling them, well, you simply won't do that. Like, I'm going to make you waste a lot of money. (laughs) Unless... (laughs) You know, that's really good. Uh, I didn't know that about Dave Chappelle. People have been talking about him a lot. Um, and I probably should look into him more. But sometimes, <laughs> because his sense of humor can be a little crude. Like, I remember a scene <laughs> he did about uh, uh, cocaine. <laughs> you know, he does that one. It's pretty popular where he have like, white powder all over his lips. And he's, like, doing a <laughs> skit about uh, And I was like, this is funny. But, like, this is also pretty crude. <laughs> so... Uh, but no, I respect him. I've, I've heard some things that he said that that really made me look at him differently. Like he is a jokester, but he is he is a real respectable man, you know. And that's that's just one of my favorite things. I, Dave Chappelle is one of the so, people who kind of like trying to show you how you're able to move within a bigger society that's not supposed to really care about what you have uh-huh. to say. Right. And showing you how to go about making them care about what you have to say. That's and that's and that's really important. Um, and so that that actually brings up a question. Like, so basically, I think the central idea that we're talking about right now is like risk is needed for the possibility of social mobility, right? Like social, the ability to move up and down um, the scale of like of of economic prosperity or not even just economic prosperity, but for like business or for anything like that, for reputation's sake, 
and so like I believe like the African American community is one of the communities with the lowest social mobility, right? We don't have the ability to uh, take utilities and and do something with them to start to change our circumstances. It's very hard for us to shift or move from one uh, class to to another one. And so like you're kind of trying to create like, okay, so even though those odds are stacked against us, what are some of the ways that we can strain our social mobility to stretch it and grow it? And so I think, um, I think Dave Chappelle is an excellent example of that. Like you given his story and like what he did. So like, for example, so you talked about two things. One, you talked about communal risk, like, and taking risks in each other. Right. But with Dave right. Chappelle, I think that focused more on individual risk and taking a risk for himself. Um, so like going on deeper into that like into that risk that he took for himself right or like other examples of that for people who don't necessarily have that community and are 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 willing to develop communal risk right and and to invest in someone right like um but they're not there yet so like stuff like that how do they demand further right for them to be noticed or heard right when you don't have any credibility yet, is it? Would you say it's more so about consistency uh, of genuine? Uh, okay, I'm sending. I just sent content. it to you. Right now. Um, you want to check on the phone if you receive well, it? Well, I think one of the ways that I thought about doing it right was a lot of yes, sir. businesses, um, a, a lot of like, especially whenever you do choose to invest in general, right? So, like, if you. And I talk about investing okay, right now just because, like, fewer black people are invested in the stock market than ever. And they're, like, it's unfortunate because these are the times right after a really, like, bad downfall that there does yeah. become a really big, like, rebound, you know? And so, like, this is just us out on it. And whenever you do come into a place, like, asking how to get good at this, you know, asking where to put your money places that go ahead and help you out but those they like to see us as um more so of a vulnerable target you know what i'm saying where you're just able to make your firm more money you know and like, so what they'll do is they'll like try and talk to you as if you don't know what's going on and so they'll like present you options that obviously you don't want to take and they'll present it fast and they'll present it in a way that, like, makes it seem like it's a good idea. However, like, walking away is a privilege that, oh, like, walking away is a thing that I think that we don't do enough. We're given the option between and we believe that we have to choose better or worse. You, uh, I mean, we're <laughs> bad or worse, right? We have to choose right. bad or worse all the time. Okay, and no, we don't sir. think we can choose a different one. So, like, one of the things is that, like, if you do decide to get up, walk away, and yes, decide so that I you'll come back with your own options um, that they can right. choose from, it is a $75 mm-hmm. that's not only, like, taking a risk, but it's also setting a setting a standard of boundary as to what you will accept and what you won't okay and i like 
those risks that you take on yourself have to, like, investing is a risk that you're taking for yourself, by yourself, to better yourself, you know what I'm saying? And, like, if you're able to go ahead and take charge of that risk and make it so that, like, you know that most of the, that, like, you've done your due diligence yeah, to so, make so sure like that. that your risk um, is as solid as it can be, okay. then you've gone ahead yeah, and you've, more, like, yeah. um, yes, sir. I think so, you've accomplished more than just taking a risk. You know what I'm saying? That you've also let that firm know that your money is going to be treated this so way, you, you know? And that... Have to be treated this way in order to give your money to anyone else, and so I feel like those are just things that we don't even think that we're allowed yes, to do sir. most of the time. Right. You know what I'm saying? Okay, yeah. And um, see, I can't like I think of lots of okay, risks so that I've taken, but they've been like. But I also just think about the fact that I know that I've come from a ridiculous amount of privilege. To be a black man, you know, mm-hmm. like a ridiculous amount. And so, most of the time, whenever I take a risk, I don't even think I'm taking one. To tell you the honest truth, you know, like the reason my speech the way that I did was because I wanted everyone to know that, like, I can take a you and I'm not this way. Like I think this way, you know, but like. I'm not the only one who does, and I'm really lucky that I do, you know, because my parents were raised in in East St. Louis, but they were really, uh, like, my mom was their valedictorian and my grandma was, you know, and, like, Mm -hmm. the people who, Uh, like, have gone to college and all of this, and so, like, while most of the people in my class were going to be going to college for, like, the first in their family to, I was going to be... One of the unexpected, um, uh, too. You know what I'm saying, right? So, while that may be a risk for someone else, it's it's less of a risk for me. Yes, sir. You know, yes, sir. everyone, yeah, everyone. Yeah. And so there are these things, everyone such as like going to college, such as like investing, such as like just what you choose to do with your money. That like is a risk. But I don't even think that I'm able to recognize yes, it. Yes, So basically, um, none of this room can be financially responsible. That's really good. Now, I've never thought of that. Like, we're so we're talking about some kind of like, we're kind of like in a realm of the philosophy of risk management, right? And so, I've never thought of that. Like, I've heard of risk management, but we always, I always think of risk as taking a leap of faith, which always makes it seem like the proactive risk taking is saying yes. But right. to think that no oftentimes is a more profitable decision um and and i don't i don't think about it like if you say no now it's going to guarantee you more profit later even if that's in not and and i'm not even talking about like necessarily losing money like because you said no you dodged a bullet because this stock plummeted i'm saying no like in dave Chappelle's case because the fact that you know or or someone else's case because their pro they knew what their product was they didn't let it sell for less than it was and that came because they said no, which is really, really interesting. And I think I think you're right. I think that it's a big fear tactic to kind of scare us into a yes very quick and then get ourselves duped, right? Or, 
Um, <laughs> and we end up we end up spoiling our opportunity. Um, it's kind of interesting, like how in this kind of weird way, then yep. integrity becomes extremely profitable. Right. Um, Just like the knowing where you will, um, will you, where you will draw your line is some of the most important things but like we're not given an opportunity to draw lines because all of our lines seem to be drawn for us and so the risk really is to start drawing your lines wow and that's really good okay you don't even have to know where to start you know most of the time because that really takes knowing what you will do what you won't do what is important to you and what's not and while i believe that like mindful not leaving lights on the biggest thing that that's why I say that I don't think that I I view risk the same as other people because like I don't see that as a risk you know because like Kaylin you're gonna have to make the decisions for a lot of people like a lot of people are looking at you you know what I'm saying because and so you're gonna have to make your own decisions and you're gonna have to know in your heart they're the right ones while a lot while a lot of people just deciding that you can make your own decisions (laughs) means that you'll have to say no to somebody you know what i'm saying and that's uh (laughs) he'll learn he'll learn for sure um and i apologize Um, but yeah yeah it'd be split amongst amongst themselves i think that (laughs) my coffee's about to hit yeah basically (laughs) basically you would just turn it you would just if you have your heater on, you would just make sure that um, it stays at a consistent temperature. That's that's really good stuff. That's good stuff. And then let me turn it back on. All right, let me go ahead and get back to work. I am really glad that I started talking to you. That was actually ridiculous. I didn't even have a choice. You know that shot A just put that phone in front of me. Oh, forced you to take a risk, but it was a good one. Right. No, it's a good one. Thank you so much. Okay, that's the end of this episode. If you like this kind of content and or just want to support me and what I'm doing, you can go to the entire video at Stereo.com slash comfort underscore free. Or you can support me on my Patreon page, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash comfort free conversations. That is P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash comfort free conversations. Thanks and catch you next time.